Good morning. Again, we'd like to welcome each and every one of you to our worship service this morning. We're indeed glad that you are with us this morning. Uh, it would invite you to stay around after services, give us a chance to visit with you if you are visiting with us this morning, and then and extend an invitation to you to uh, continue that fellowship and with our fellowship dinner immediately following services this morning. Additionally to that announcement, uh, the intention and plan is we're going to have a service project this afternoon to work on the, the uh, uh, World Mission School or Bible School uh, and information to, uh, to be distributed overseas. Uh, Steve has asked for some help to fill out that information. So uh, specifically the youth, if you could uh, plan to attend that uh, and participate in that this afternoon, it'd be, be a great, uh, great work and appreciate all the help in that regard. As you might have already noticed, uh, Doug and Karen are not with us this morning. He called me on Friday, uh, very under the weather, uh, with a voice uh, and a cough uh, that is not relenting, as is Karen's, and so they felt like it would be better for them to stay home this morning, and he was uh, concerned about not being able to fill the pulpit this morning, and and, and know he, he truly wants to be here, but just felt it was better for their their overall health and not sharing of any anything to stay home this morning. So we want to ex extend appreciation to Sam. I called him last minute to to uh, to look at doing the Bible class, uh, and Kirk will have the opportunity to, to preach this evening. So invite everyone back this evening at six o'clock to hear. I'm sure what will be an excellent lesson from Kirk this evening. This morning, as far as a text for our study, and before I get get into that, I will offer an apology. Something that I don't normally do. I have a cough drop in my cheek. Uh, so that's what this is. It's not a growth or anything, but uh, and uh, I will hopefully preach no longer than what the cough drop lasts, right, Steve? Isn't that, isn't that the joke uh, of the old preacher that got a button instead of a cough drop and preached as long as the as the uh, as long as the button would last? But uh, this morning, um, I offer my apologies, and hopefully, my voice will will hold out throughout the whole whole sermon. But for our text this morning, turn with me to John chapter 13. John chapter 13, and we're going to be looking at verses 34 and 35 of John chapter 13. Before we read that text and consider that text, I'd like for you to, to lay a little bit of a foundation for our lesson this morning. And the foundation would be considering that some of the most recent lessons that we've had the opportunity to hear brought to us by Doug, those were lessons that have been challenging, they have been thought-provoking, and have been convicting, at least personally for me. These lessons, I have hoped, as they have me, motivated us into action with the theme of SOS in 2019. That is to save one soul in 2019. We recently had a devotional thought that encouraged us to also get out of our comfort zone, something else that was challenging and convicting as well. These recent lessons have been both personally inspiring and convicting to me and along with those thoughts, and in keeping with those thoughts, my hope and prayer this morning would be to extend a lesson along those same lines that would complement the work that had already been done, and to build upon, uh, upon this Save One Soul Challenge for 2019. This lesson also closely aligns with the holiday season that we recently either survived men or women enjoyed, depending upon your perspective, and that would be the season of love, the holiday of Valentine's Day, 
a season when love and emotions are uh, uh, me, demonstrated and expressed very freely. A season where gifts and gifts of time and actions are used to display affection for others that we have in our life. Valentine's Day, well, like most holidays, is very commercialized. It's supposed to be a day all about love. While the true intent of the holiday is to show others love, this display of love is often, you know, as I mentioned, commercialized and overemphasized upon one particular day out of the year. But as first Christians, the type of love and the thought of love is something that we should display throughout the year. So I want you to consider the following. How is the world to know that we are truly disciples of Christ, that is, members of his body? How is the world to know that we are truly disciples of Christ? Is it because of the name we wear? Do we proudly call ourselves Christians when we are out and about in the world? Or is it because we have, and I use quotation marks, I don't mean any disrespect to the name Christian, but I use quotation marks there, and I also use it in the context of the right doctrine. Do we have and proclaim the right doctrine, that is the word of God? Do we have the right organization, that is the church of Christ? Do we have the right worship? Do we conduct things in spirit and in truth? Just by doing things right does not always make them right. Does the world truly know that we are his disciples because we have our Sunday routine? Because every Sunday morning, almost without fail, we get up, we leave our house, we come to the church building, and we park our car and ourselves in our assigned spots. Or is it by our post on social media? that the world truly knows that we are Christians. And while these can be very powerful platforms that can be used to reach a lot of people, sometimes they do have the drawbacks. So while our faith can be demonstrated by wearing a title of Christian, by doing Bible things in Bible ways, and by being faithful in attendance, and by posting religious things and images, is that all? Is that all there is? To being a Christian, each of these actions are, are certainly important. But if we fall into the mindset that these things, that these actions, and that these actions alone are what makes us disciples of Christ, we need to stop and think. When we depend and we justify these actions and these actions alone, that we are showing the world these outward things, we're letting the world know that we are disciples of Christ by these things that I've mentioned, and maybe others, we must be careful that we can be very sadly mistaken in what, in what Christ is considered a disciple. In looking at our text this morning in John chapter 13, verses 34 and 35, we pick up in the middle of a series of events and statements that starting really kind of in the beginning of chapter 13 and going through the rest of John lead up to the crucifixion of Christ. But here in our text this morning, Jesus is identifying 
to his apostles a key distinction of what a disciple is. A key distinction of what the disciple is. Read with me John chapter 13, 34, and 35. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. We see from this text that Jesus gave them what he called a new commandment there in verse 34. And this commandment was to love one another, verse 35, so that the end results that would be produced from this love is that others would know that they would know who his disciples were. The love we show for one another is how people, all people that is, will know that we truly are his disciples. I'll be the first to stand up here this morning and admit that I am no love expert. Even after 20 years of witted bliss, I am not a love expert. It's something that I have to work every day at it, at at being a loving husband and father. But I even want to extend it even further than that. We should be working every day to love as Christ loved. And we can turn to the scriptures this morning, and that's my hope and prayer, is that through the scriptures and through a study this morning that we can discover the type of love that Jesus was describing here in John chapter 13 and learn how to love differently so that others may know that we are his disciples. The first place that we've got to start with this love this morning is we've got to determine what kind of love it is. We've got to determine what type of love it is. We need to define this love. Now, I'm no Greek scholar. I've not studied the Greek, so we're not going to go into any of those Greek terms. Agape, phileo, all those. We'll save that for another time and for somebody that's a whole lot smarter than me. But what I do want to start out and looking at is the text is a text because in, when Jesus says it's new, it's a new commandment, he's making a distinction. It's not the same old kind of love that we often come by naturally for those that we are very close with and for those that we love automatically because they're family or because they're friends. You see, this, is, this was a love that we can see that was taught in the Old Testament. Even all the way back in Leviticus chapter nine, eight, excuse me, 19 and verse 18, we see that, that there God was teaching them, you should not take vengeance, it says, nor bear any grudge against the children of your people, but you should love your neighbor as yourself. So going all the way back into the Old Testament, we see that, that God was talking and teaching about love. God taught the need of, of love in the Old Testament. But here in John chapter 13, as Jesus is making preparation for a New Testament, for a new covenant, He's making a new command. And this is not the same simple command to love one another, but it is a command to love one another in a special way. A way that is more meaningful, a way that is deeper. Jesus is encouraging us and his apostles at that time to elevate our standard of love. Look again at verse 34. Look again at verse 34. Specifically at the end. It says, as I have loved you, that you also love one another. 
here's this higher standard, this higher declaration, if you will. Jesus is proclaiming to his apostles. I want to stop and think here for just a second as, as we consider Jesus' audience and who he is talking to. It's obviously his, his apostles. Do you think, do you think that the apostles comprehended? Did they understand what Jesus was, at, was saying to them? Did they fully grasp this at this point? If you back up and look at the beginning, and we won't take the time to read this, but I encourage you to do it because it kind of puts, definitely puts things into, in, in, into perspective. If you back up and look at the first of the chapter, we see that Jesus, he washed their feet. And then it, it goes through verses or chapter 13, and we get to our text, and it goes on through 14. And if you flip the few pages, and you'll notice most of the words in the next few chapters are read. Jesus is continuing to talk to his apostles and his disciples, and all this is leading up to his crucifixion. And so he's laying a tremendous amount of groundwork for them to help them to grasp what is coming. But they didn't. Even as he hung on the tree later on in John, we see that they still didn't grasp what, what he was trying to teach them all the way back here in, in John chapter 13. Because Jesus, through his actions, he was demonstrating sacrificial love. Sacrificial love. A love that is patterned after, the, after Jesus' love for his apostles and also for us. All the way back from the washing of feet up to the crucifixion, John paints a picture of love and illustrates a pattern that Christ was trying to teach both his apostles and us. This is the newer, higher standard of love, if you will, that Jesus is proclaiming here. Jesus himself explained this type of love further in detail in John chapter 15 and verse 13, where he says, Greater love has no man than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. He knew, he knew what was coming of him and the type of love that he was going to illustrate. John continued his description of love in his book, 1 John. Turn with me to 1 John chapter 3. 1 John chapter 3, looking specifically at verses 16 through 18, where John writes, By this we know love, because he laid down his life for us. And we also ought to lay down our lives for our brethren. But whoever has this world's goods and sees his brother in need and shuts up his heart from him, how does the love of God abide in him? Verse 18. My little children, let us not love in word or in tongue, but in deed and in truth. <coughs> Excuse me. John here is encouraging us as well to have a sacrificial love. Paul, Paul picks up this thought and this command in Ephesians chapter 5, verses 1 and 2, where he says, Therefore, be imitators of God as dear children, and walk in love, as Christ also has loved us and given himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God for sweet-smelling aroma. This new type of love, this sweet-smelling aroma, is a sacrificial love. Giving 
of oneself completely for the needs of others. That is, it's an unselfish love. This sacrificial love must be one that is visible, not just for show, but one that displays the love of Christ. Jesus declared in verse 35 that all will know that you are my disciples. This implies the need that this love must be shown to others. And so this love must be visible and it must be observed. But it's just not to the brethren. It must be to all that we come and interact with and we come in touch with. You see, for this sacrificial love to be visible, it's got to go beyond the four walls that we set in this morning. For this sacrificial love to be visible, it must extend beyond the few hours that we're gathered here this morning. For this sacrificial love to be visible, it must be something that is observed by the world and in the world. In short, the world needs to have opportunities to observe the disciples of Christ in action. And in doing so, we need to take the opportunity to, to display the pattern of love that Jesus is commanding here. A love that is sacrificial, as sacrificial as the love of Christ. I want you to place back of your mind and hold on to the thought for just a second of what opportunities we might have to display love. As we, as we have considered this morning, I want to kind of transition here and think about how do you develop this love? How do you develop this kind of love? As with anything that is new, and we've already identified that this is a new commandment that Jesus was teaching his apostles, as with anything new, it has to be learned. Something has to be learned. And this new commandment to love as Christ loved is one that must be taught, and we must develop this type of love. If we stop and think about it, God is the best teacher that we can, that we can have. And his word is the best place that we can learn about this sacrificial love. You know, God taught the church at Thessalonica about this love. And we read in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 9 and 10, But concerning brotherly love, you have no need that I should write to you. They, they were doing a great job with it, apparently. You yourself are taught by God to love one another. God had taught them. They had learned it. They had brotherly love. But indeed, in verse 10 it says, And indeed you do so toward all brethren who are in all of Macedonia. But I urge you, Paul says, I urge you, brethren, that you increase more and more. Even though they were doing a great job with their brotherly love, and even though that they might, may have figured out how to love sacrificially, it wasn't enough. And Paul was encouraging them to increase their love. As we've already identified, John wrote a lot about love. And in 1 John chapter 4, verses 9 and 10, or 9 through 11, John writes, In this the love of God was manifested toward us, that God has sent his only begotten Son into a world that we might live through him. Verse 10, in this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us, sacrificial love, and sent his son to be a propitiation for our sins. Verse 11, beloved, if God so loved us, 
we also ought to love one another. To learn sacrificial love, think of the Father's love for us. In sending his Son to be the propitiation from John chapter, 1 John chapter 4, verse 10, for our sins. That is, the Father's one and only Son, Christ Jesus, was sent as the sacrifice, as the atoning sacrifice, to be placed upon the tree for yours and my sin. What type of love is this? It's a sacrificial love and one that we need to learn to develop. As we consider the love of the Father in the way that he sent his Son, consider the, the Son's love. Because as we learn and, and learn from Christ and his sacrificial love, think about the very example of Christ and the fact that he knew from the moment that he came to this earth that he was destined to be offered as a sacrifice. He was destined to be offered as a sacrifice. 1 John chapter 3, verse 16 that we already looked at, but it bears reading again. By this we know love because he laid down his life for us and we also ought to lay down our, our lives for our brethren. Christ laid down his life for us and encourages us to do the same. So the more that we meditate, the more that we focus, and the more that we understand the love of Christ, the example in his life, and most importantly in his death, we can better imitate and love like he did. The sacrificial love, when developed and learned through the example of God the Father and Jesus the Son, can only lead us to be more in love with our brethren and more in love with each other, thus helping us better learn and develop sacrificial love. As we consider developing and, and understanding that sacrificial love for our brethren, turn with me to Hebrews chapter 10. Turn with me to Hebrews chapter 10. We must help each other develop this type of sacrificial love. We've got to help each other to, to, to learn to, to develop it so that we can display it properly. And we'll get to that in just a second. But Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 and 25. Oftentimes, this text is quoted and used to promote attendance to the service. And rightfully so. Verse 25 talks about not forsaking the assembly. But as you turn there, let's take this verse and consider it as it relates to attendance, but also as it re relates to sacrificial love. Hebrews chapter 10, starting with verse 24. And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembly of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another and so much more as we see the day approaching. When we look at this text, and we look as a, as a full, full sentence and in the full context of what the author of Hebrews is writing, starting in verse 24, let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. When we understand that the assembly of the Lord's body as it is coming together on the Lord's day, is to love one another, to show love, and to be loved. We see the purpose here is described by the Hebrew writer 
He's talking about sacrificial love. Sacrificial love for each other. He says that the body is to assemble, to motivate, and to stir up each other to promote love and good works. In this context, we must then realize that attendance is not completely a faith issue, but I would offer to you this morning that attendance is a love issue. Attendance is a love issue. A desire to be in attendance comes because you love and you are loved. We want to, you want to be here to also show your love to Christ. This type of love must be developed. When an individual understands sacrificial love, that's the result. When they don't, and it's not fully developed, they don't come. So therefore, one reason why some don't love as they should is because they don't assemble like they should. So I think this morning, to learn to love sacrificially, we must be willing to sacrifice ourselves. To develop sacrificial love requires a study of the Father's love for us, the Son's love for us, and a frequent and committed assembling of the saints together to love and to stir one another up. Only then when we develop that kind of love will the world know that we are Jesus' disciples. Once we have defined, once we have developed a sacrificial love, it's got to be demonstrated. We've got to demonstrate our love. The love of this body here in Shoto, of the believers here and of this congregation, is very apparent. We collectively, as a congregation, as a body, has developed a reputation of being a very loving congregation. And this is a very commendable trait. But we cannot cease in our assemblies to sincerely welcome, encourage, and engage each other and our visitors. You see, the easiest place to practice, if you will, demonstrating love is with our brothers and sisters in Christ. Not only do we need to do it here for each other, but we also need to do it so that visitors, when they come in the door, when they are here, they can see what Christianity is all about. When they can see Christians who are truly glad to see each other, when they see Christians who are willing to take time out and visit and find out how things are going in each other's lives, and when they're, willing to, and when they're able to see Christians that are spending time apart with each other, separate from scheduled services, people begin to see how Christian, Christianity and a Christian's love is different. The assembly of the church, though, may be the only time that some people see or have the opportunity to see Christians interact. So it's very important that the love of Christ is evident before, during, and after the assembly. So that's one place where we can demonstrate our love. But the assembly is not the only place that we can demonstrate it. I ask you to hold on to that thought of how we can display love to others. I ask you the question, where is the best opportunities to demonstrate and display the love of Christ? As you think about that, consider. Demonstrating and displaying the love of Christ goes right along with that challenge to save one's soul. Because in order to save one's soul, you must love that soul. And in order for that person to know that you love that soul, you've got 
to demonstrate that, you've got to display that, you've got to develop that love. They must be willing and able to know that you love them. And you specifically care and concern about their soul and that you're trying to save it. I'll be the first to admit, it's not always easy in this day and age to talk about love, to talk about loving somebody's soul, but in reality, as Christians, if we are truly loving the lost and we are striving to sacrificially love as Christ loved, to borrow a very uh, cliche statement, this is where the rubber meets the road. We must be ready for opportunities to demonstrate and display sacrificial love in our daily lives. As a Christian, our daily lives present us with the best opportunities to save one soul in 2019. I would present to you this morning that there are four things that we collectively and individually must commit to do in order to show sacrificial love. The first one is to be united in the truth of God's word. Be united in the truth of God's word. Second one, be willing to be involved and support the work of others. Be willing to get involved, to be involved, to stay involved and to support the work that others are doing. The third <clears throat> sacrificial type of love that we need to learn to do to save one soul is to be willing to serve each other. Be willing to serve each other. And fourthly, give God the glory for the increase. Because if we do these things, there will be an increase. Now, I'm not smart enough to come up with this list on my very own. And really, to give credit where credit is due, the list that I proposed to you this morning that we need to commit to is actually a song. And I hope by conveying it in the song and talking about it in the song that it will further be something that will stick with you. The song is they'll know we are Christians. The number is 112 if you want to turn there. I've got each one of the slides up. And I want to read this song with you this morning. We'll close with this song here a little bit later, so we'll sing it at that point. But the first verse, we are one in the Spirit, we are one in the Lord, we are one in the Spirit, we are one in the Lord, and we pray that our unity may one day be restored. Point number one, be united in the truth of God's Word. The chorus repeats after each one of the stanzas, and we'll save that to the very end. The second verse, be willing, or the second point that I made, be willing to be involved and support each other's work. We will walk with each other. We will walk hand in hand. We will walk with each other. We will walk hand in hand. And together we'll spread the news that God is in the land. The third verse, be willing to serve. We will work with each other. We will work side by side. We will work with each other. We will work side by side. And we'll guard each man's dignity and save each man's pride. And the fourth verse. All praise to the Father from whom all things come, and all praise to Christ Jesus, His only Son, and, we, and all praise to the Spirit who makes us one. And they'll know we are Christians by our love. By our love, yes, they'll know we are Christians by our love. So we conclude this morning. Ask the question. Does the world know you are a Christian? by your love. Does the world 
know you are a Christian by your love. Lord willing, and if I can talk Doug into sharing the pulpit with me one more time, next Sunday evening, we'll have our Valentine's banquet. He's going to, I believe, speak there in regards to the Valentine's banquet, and I've offered to preach that Sunday evening, and I want to continue the discussion of love. Continue this discussion of love and pick up with this thought. Does the world know we are Christians by our love? This morning, though, love, specifically the sacrificial love of Christ, can be a hard pill to swallow. And to be honest, this is a lesson that I'm teaching myself more than anybody else sitting out there. But it's something that we can all do and something that we all have room for improvement. So the objective of our lesson this morning was to define sacrificial love, help us develop sacrificial love, and then find ways to just demonstrate it and display it in our everyday lives so that they will know we are Christians and then becoming more Christ-like. Because this type of love that we're talking about is the type of love that had the impact in the first century. You see, this type of love is a powerful tool that when used properly can be used to persuade souls to change and join the church and to, be respond, and to respond to the Lord. But this has to be applied appropriately. And this tool, love, has to be something that we use every day of our life. You know, in this world, it's very divided. And it's very confused when it comes to understanding religious things. But this is the key. The sacrificial love is the key. It is the tool. It is a Christ-like love, and it's what we have to use to set us apart from the rest of the religious world. In truth, it is following the command of Christ and what he expects us to do and use it to convince and convict the world so that the end result not, is not just to save one soul in 2019, but to try to save all souls and to love sacrificially. So as we conclude this morning... I want to reference you back to John chapter 13 and verse 34 and 35 where it says, A new commandment I give to you that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. This morning, if you need to improve upon your love, if you need to work on the sacrificial love that Christ has commanded, and if you want to follow the ultimate example of love, that is Christ. Because Christ gave his life, as we've looked at this morning, on that cruel cross of Calvary so that we might have that hope of heaven. And it is through baptism for the remission of your sins that you emulate that love that he had for us in his death, burial, and resurrection that you are then raised to walk in newness of life out of a watery grave having all your sins washed away. 
because he was at propitiation, as we looked at in 1 John. He was at atoning sacrifice once and for all. Or if you need the prayers of the church to restore you to your first love and to help you work on your love for the Lord and the brethren, the Lord's invitation is extended to you as we stand and sing.